Welcome to The Lens with me, Sarah Travers. The Lens is a business in the community podcast in partnership with One Young World. So who are our guests today? Well, I'm delighted to introduce Pippa Clark, Chair and Partner at Bishop Fleming Chartered Accountants, who are experts in accounting, audit, tax and advisory needs. And also Hamza Sarwar, Global Social Impact and Partnerships Director at Reckit, a multinational consumer goods company that produces health, hygiene and nutrition products. Now, in this episode, we'll be exploring how businesses can build a responsible business culture. We'll be finding out how our guests are using their personal passions for people to create workplaces that are agile and creative. Workplaces where people want to come to work every day. So to find out more, let's get into the conversation. Pippa, Hansa, you're very welcome to The Lens. So Pippa, I suppose if we could start with you first of all, obviously in the introduction I, I said there you were chair and partner at Bishop Fleming Chartered Accountants, but you weren't always that. So if you, I'd love to find out a little bit more about your background, you know, where you grew up, a little bit about you and how you came to be in this position. Oh, thank you, Sarah. And it's lovely to be uh, participating in this today. I'm the mother of two lovely daughters of whom I'm incredibly proud. I was widowed in my 40s when my husband died of cancer. So I've been bringing up my children partly on my own. And earlier in my life, I'm the youngest of three children. I have divorced parents, as many people do. They divorced when I was about two. And unfortunately, my mother suffered from a severe long-term mental health condition. And as a result of those challenges, I was largely brought up within the care system. So my short answer to where where I'm from is that I was born in Scotland, I grew up in the southeast, and I live in Cornwall. But actually, there's a little bit more complexity and there were a few more challenges along the way in that. Well, I think that's perhaps underplaying the challenges that you've experienced to, to get to where you are today. I'm just wondering, given that it hasn't all been plain sailing and, and you have faced an awful lot, including being brought up in the care system. Do you feel that that has helped shape the person that you have become today? And maybe perhaps if we drill a little deeper, what qualities or values do you feel you have as a result of those challenges early on? I think we're all shaped by our own experiences, aren't we? So undoubtedly, it's had an influence. My circumstances meant that it was very difficult and impractical really to go to university. So when I was deciding what to do, I was looking for a job with prospects and a career with the opportunity of a professional qualification seemed like a good option. And what I've brought to that, I think, being very adaptable, having five foster placements and moving between parents and a children's home and various things makes you very adaptable to all your environments, developed a lot of resilience. There's some rejection that you feel along the way in all of that. And so you learn to rely on yourself rather than others. That doesn't mean I'm a loner or that I don't want to do things with other people, but it certainly means that you build some sort of inner strength, I think, and develop some resilience around anything that might knock you back. And the final thing, I guess, is people talk about me as being an optimist. And I do feel optimistic about things. You know, there's an opportunity to find joy in the smallest of things. And I have a small mantra that I use for myself, which is that every day is a good day. So that's what I bring to how I've developed my career and develop the culture I hope in the workplace. My goodness, that's something I think that we could all focus on, that every day is a good day. It's a little bit like that, find the joy in every day, because it is there. Some days it's really not obvious where it is or where you're going to find it. Yeah, incredible life lessons there. Also being widowed at such a young age, you must have got to that point and thought, really, what have I done to deserve all of this? 
There is an element of you undoubtedly that thinks that way. But do you know what? I am blessed with amazing family and friends. And I am so fortunate in that respect. And I have a great career. I work with some really lovely people. I have some superb client relationships. It's not all bad. Incredible optimism there. But Pippa, could you tell us a little bit then about the company that you work for? Of course. So Bishop Fleming is a really thriving and highly ambitious accountancy and advisory firm. We're led by a purpose and ambition to be really rewarding for not just our clients, but for our people and the communities within which we work. We're made up of people of high integrity who really care about what they're doing and people forge friendships across the network within the firm. And we build long-term and lasting relationships with each other and with our clients. Well, we'll explore a little bit more about the services that you actually provide, how you help your clients, how you look after your people as well. Um, But we'll bring Hamza in at this point. Hamza, great to hear from Pippa. But if I could ask you a little bit about your background, you've been listening to Pippa's story. We'd love to know a little bit about your story. Sure. And, and thank you, Pippa, for being so open. I think it's refreshing to hear that. And I, I think showing vulnerability and showing the authenticity of your, of your life, I think it really does add a lot to the conversation and it inspires others as well. So first of all, a big thank you. And so I'm British Pakistani. I have a father of two. So I have a six-year-old, uh, Sophia and Harris, who is uh, four. They're my life in many ways, and they've really defined my purpose and my, my personal passion over the last few years. I was brought up in a single-parent family, born and brought up in Birmingham with, with frequent travel to Pakistan. Various challenges along the way, being an ethnic minority, a British Muslim, working in a country trying to adapt to the culture and really kind of thrive in, in this country. I've seen my mom struggle, strive uh, and drive good life for her three children. And I've really been inspired by her work ethic and her dedication and her commitment over the years. My background's in marketing. I had a huge anticlimax really coming out of university, just thinking about the work that I wanted to do and how I was trying to kind of live my purpose in, in the world. So this anticlimax has essentially led me to really question quite deeply why I'm here. What's my personal purpose? What am I offering to the world? So I started in big research agencies, working with multinational clients such as Unilever, Mondelez International, who, who make Cadbury. I eventually made my way over to Reckitt. Uh, and Reckitt's a consumer goods company that makes brands such as Dettol, Nurofen, Durex, consumer healthcare brands. And in, initially started my career here and looking at consumer insights, strategy, and essentially working in marketing, working with big brands to help understand their audiences and affect change. And I think when my daughter was born, it really gave me an awakening and it was almost an epiphany in terms of, you know, what am I really doing with my ability and my gift? Given all the, the state of the planet, the state of society and the role of business in kind of creating a, a better world, I reflected a lot on that. And over the time, I was I was able to work on air pollution, which was really a, a tipping point in my career. Air pollution, you know, takes more than 7 million lives prematurely every year. The company was looking at how they could tackle air pollution. Through that experience, I worked did lots of research in India and China, and I realized firsthand the power of business in affecting changing communities. Through these experiences, I became a One Young World ambassador. For those who don't know One Young World, they essentially a youth leadership summit that happens on an annual basis. And it, it's an eye-opening experience. You hear from activists from all over the world. I came back from that inspired. I was able to create a new role as a global purpose director on Dettol, which was essentially the first time the company had ever had a social purpose role in one of its big brands. On the, on the first week of the pandemic, I took this job thinking, Dettol being a hygiene brand, what, what are we going to do about this at a global level? So I spent a couple of years really trying to establish uh, the brand's role in society, channel our resources for good to affect change and drive change in a time where good hygiene was genuinely saving lives. I was asked to do it for the whole company. I'm looking at global impact and, and purpose for Reckitt, where I lead 
lead on our social impact investment fund, leading on our global partnerships to affect change. It's been quite a journey starting off from the research world all the way through to now. What's so interesting, because we're talking today about building responsible workplace cultures, and what I'm hearing from both of you is how much you've been shaped by your life experience and how much then that experience you have then been able to shape the jobs that you do today with purpose aligned to your values. Pippa, I know that Bishop Fleming has just released its responsible business report and lots of people are talking about it because it looks really, really good. Share with us what responsible business looks like for you at Bishop Fleming. Really, I would describe it as absolutely embedded in our strategy and part of our DNA. We started a specific responsible business initiative, not because we were an irresponsible business, but because we already were a responsible business. So we started from a really good place. But what we have done is put more around it in terms of governance to make sure that it's reflected properly across all aspects of our business. And we're a growing business. So as you grow and get more people, it becomes harder for that to be embedded naturally by conversation and so you do need more structure around it so we focus on the business the communities within which we work the environment within which we work we're reviewing it annually and reporting on that we're using things like the business in the community tracker and we develop clearer and more specific plans about areas of responsible business with clear accountabilities so that we can measure it and we're doing things like measuring our carbon footprint developing our strategy to achieve net zero striving to do things like improving our inclusion and diversity and acknowledging that this is a journey you know we're not there with doing everything that we'd like to achieve and the people side of that is really important you referred to how important it is for individuals to feel they can be themselves at work i hope that's something that we're getting right for me i'm particularly passionate about how we help people achieve their potential it's very easy to make assumptions intentionally or unintentionally about people but how can we help people achieve their potential and achieve the success that they've defined for themselves it means different things to different people it can be seen as quite worthy i suppose the aspiration is there but then how do you actually measure the impact you say you know we want to boost diversity and inclusion and and you also talked about how business in the community help provide you with a framework to to implement actions that actually make this happen for those who maybe don't know about the tracker system or the framework you know how beneficial has that been to you well it really helps us because in filling out the tracker really honestly we unpicked and uncovered all aspects of our business it helped us to think about specific areas that we might not otherwise have covered and also helped us to understand what was implicit in the business but needed to be more explicit and I think that's one of the key changes that you can see from us having been through that tracker exercise is that we are more explicit about those things and we were doing the right thing we felt in terms of trying to reduce our impact environmentally with things like reducing our paper usage and that sort of thing and we had been measuring some of that but there were other things that we hadn't measured so we hadn't previously measured our carbon footprint and we were able to use this as a catalyst to go to the Institute of Chartered Accountants that we work with to say okay what how do we do this in our profession and to find a partner that we could work with in order to work on our net zero initiative. 
life. And partnership seems to be absolutely mm. key. So Hamza, same question to you, given what we've been hearing from you in building and designing this role that is making such a difference within Reckitt. So what are the drivers, both from the business perspective and from you in terms of building that responsible approach and culture? I think from a Reckitt point of view, the company employs over 40,000 people around the world. Its products are sold in over 100 countries. The, the mission and the purpose of, of the organization is very much to create a clean and healthier world via its products. And the portfolio is geared in such a way around its health, hygiene and nutrition to make a genuine difference in people's lives just by the very fact of, of selling soap to people, selling condoms, you're protecting people's health, protecting people's well-being, nurturing the best start in life. So the organization's portfolio is very much at the heart of what it does. And I think increasingly now we're operating in a stakeholder economy where the responsibility of an organization is far broader than just its its shareholders. We're looking at the communities in which we live and we operate, our value chains and where we employ people in our sites and our factories, how we really look at the organization across its footprint, looking at its net zero ambitions across carbon, water, and being a big manufacturing organization, these elements of sustainability across creating a healthier planet, building a fairer society, and really thinking about responsible people-led, people-first culture is really what the business is about and has been on this journey over the last few years. The critical aspect of this and the commitment that the organization has to promoting universal access to health, hygiene and nutrition drives a lot of the decision making. And that very much means putting the community at the front and center of decision making, whether it be developing new products and innovation all the way through to going beyond that and really improving behaviors in times that we've seen in COVID, improving sexual behaviors, hygiene behaviors, really looking to promote healthy populations and healthy impact. And of course, that responsibility also comes internally to how we approach our people and our talent. My mission has been personally, how do we kind of create an entrepreneurial culture and entrepreneurship as a, as a concept has been well established over the last few years. It's about how do you kind of create change from within and empower people in the organization to bring their full selves to work. You know, we've seen with the great resignation, there is a huge almost disassociation and a uh, lack of uh, connection with, with work. So how do you embed purpose into people's day-to-day lives, into day-to-day jobs? How do you ensure that everyone is mobilized and galvanized behind that mission, which is shared that's higher than than yourself and really helping to create an impact in the community. So the work that, that I lead on the Fight for Access Fund and our social impact investments externally is now translating internally to say, what's our culture that we're trying to build? So we have four employee resource groups internally, one being focused on gender and women. And, uh, we have one on LGBTQ+, race and ethnicity, and disabilities being the, the final one. So we, we're looking across these these ERGs and looking to ensure that we have this built into culture. So I'm, I've definitely witnessed a shift and I, I've seen the organisation put these ERGs at the, at the forefront. If I could go back to the brands that you actually manufacture, they are purpose-led brands, really big brands, very identifiable in the UK, Airwick, Clearasol, Dettol, Finish, Durex, all sorts of things that we are very, very familiar with. But it is that vision of them being now purpose-led brands, that they are helping make the planet healthier, make societies fairer. But I suppose in the UK, perhaps we're just not aware of what these brands are doing and the good that they're doing. You talked a little bit about the Dettol uh, initiative, but if you could just outline when these brands 
brands work with you and you help them, do you steer them towards the initiatives or is it very much a collaborative approach? Yeah, absolutely. In my previous lives, I've been working on on the likes of Dettol, as you mentioned. So each brand has its own, what we define as the purpose lock, which is a concept that kind of really came into existence about three years ago here at Reckitt, that each brand in the organization across the power brands that we have. So across the health business, we have the likes of Dettol, Durex, Neurofen, Gaviscon, looking at protecting people's health across the hygiene business unit brands such as Finish, Airwick, Vanish, some of these household hygiene brands. And the nutrition side, we have infant formula, both for specialty infants and, and for others. And across this entire portfolio, each brand has gone through defining their purpose lock. What that essentially means is looking at the why they exist, which is the purpose. That's the North Star. The second part was to identify its fight, which is uh, essentially its mission. So how is this brand really going to show? Let's take Dettol as an example with its purpose, which is to reduce the burden of illness. So each brand has really taken strides to reflect on its heritage, to reflect on its roots. And Dettol was born in the 1930s to tackle maternal sepsis and childbirth in UK hospitals. It reduced the incidence of sepsis by more than 50%. Um, it was able to grow. So each brand has been on a journey to really look at its heritage, its origins, its founder stories, and really understand why it was came to being in the first place so lots of work happened uh, across each of the brands to define its purpose the second part of this was to say okay we understand its purpose we understand for example that holds about reducing that burden of illness now how does that really show up in reality um, which is what we call the fight, which is the mission of, of, of this brand. So Dettol, take Dettol as an example. The mission is really to drive access and build lasting hygiene habits um, amongst its consumers and its communities, which is really geared towards supporting sustainable development goal six, which is about access to clean water, hygiene and sanitation, and also looking at sustainable development goal three, which is about building good health and well-being. So once it's identified its purpose and it has a really clear fight to give it authenticity and legitimacy to actually act in this role in society, in community, that's where we look at what we call our superior solution, which is the product offering. So you can, you can imagine in Dettol's case, our superior solution, each of the products, whether it's a hand-washing product, a surface disinfectant, it's focused on trusted science that is designed to break the chain of infection. So each brand has established a purpose lock with those three rings, the purpose, the fight, and the superior solution, aligned itself to a sustainable development goal. So take another example on Finish, the dishwasher tablet. You'd think it's just, uh, it goes in the dishwasher and you forget about it. The, the big mission for Finish is all about saving water. If you skip the rinse and you don't rinse, rinse your dishes, you're actually saving litres and litres of waters on an annual basis. So this mission is all about educating the public to say, save water, it's good for your own house, it's good for your own bills, but it's also good for the community, for society and for the environment. So as each brand has gone through it, its purpose journey, the next phase was to say, okay, how does that purpose lock need to come and actually be activated in the world? So let's take, for example, Dettol. So an example of an initiative that we launched just in this last 12 months was a school behavior change program, educating children around the importance of good hygiene practices. In a time of COVID, in a time where, the, where climate change is affecting us more than ever, and the importance of practicing good hygiene habits is, is critical to preventing disease. So that program was rolled out across five countries, reducing the burden of disease in these countries. So take, for example, Italy, where there's a 14% reduction in, of COVID incidents. Take Nigeria, where we've been able to reduce diarrheal disease in Lagos State by over 7%. And you really begin to see the impact that the brand can have and be very rigorous with regards to its evaluation to really genuinely demonstrate its impact in communities. Hugely inspirational. And I'm sure anybody tuning in and listening to this today will be blown away 
say really about what you can achieve just by having those people that are leading those even entrepreneurship within organizations. Pippa, you must be inspired by what you're hearing too. Oh, I definitely am. You know, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying, Hamza, and thinking you've got a lot of people who are doing this. How does Reckitt actually help people to live that purpose? And how does it help people to really achieve their potential within the business? Thanks, Pippa. I think the, the challenge that we have is always creating the safe space for innovation, almost like your sandbox for people to experiment and innovate and to live their purpose. There's a lot of work that I've personally been leading to embed that entrepreneurial culture. One Young World is one of the key pathways that we have to enabling people to come back from a summit and have a safe space to work on purpose and innovation and really cultivating that spirit and that passion to really create change. So we were working through a process with external partners and likes of the League of Entrepreneurs, in which I'm a fellow, bringing them in to create these safe spaces, to upskill um, on entrepreneurial capabilities, to really begin to develop those functional, technical leadership development opportunities. We see that as, as one of the key levers for a select group of people at Reckitt. More broadly, you know, there's increasing focus on, on social learning. And I think we've seen many roles within Reckitt now. I think what's really critical in, in the window that we are in the, in the action, there are more and more roles which are anchored around purpose. We've relaunched a marketing academy this year where we've seen an opportunity for people to get upskilled on purpose and partnerships and really looking to activate that through the brands. So that huge emphasis on training, also creating those pathways to purpose with new roles being created around the organization, also training and, and leadership development, which is increasingly looking at how we can kind of bed that in through the academy and other, other means as well. The challenge has always been, how can you do that at scale? How can you integrate that through your company that employs so many people? That's the ongoing journey, Pippa, that, that we have. Pippa, if I could talk to you a little bit more about Bishop Fleming and the framework that you have now as a great example, being shared by business in the community to help people with promoting a healthy business, healthy communities, healthy environment. You help your clients and this is all underpinned, as you said before, by good governance. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, how do you attract young people into your workplace? Why would they want to work for Bishop Fleming and then what do you do to support them? Yes, of course. So we employ nearly 500 people and we've got eight offices spread across the southwest in the UK. We have a range of outreach programmes. So we go into the schools, the colleges and the universities that are in the communities where we are. We also do things like having work experience placement weeks and we encourage applicants to those weeks from all sorts of different schools. So we're in geography where we have a range of schools, some of them more advantaged and some less advantaged than others. And we get a mix of people coming on those work experience weeks. We also use social media campaigns to try and get the voice out there in front of young people where the young people are. And then we have our apprenticeship programme, of which we're enormously proud. We've developed that in-house and that's open not just to graduates to enter the profession, but directly to school leavers. So every year we increase our headcount by approximately 15% by taking on school leavers and graduates. And we help those individuals achieve professional qualifications, which are highly valuable to them for the entirety of their working lives. And we supplement that in-house 
as well. We have personal development programs that they participate in. So our young people are supported to obtain their professional qualifications. We give them time off for study. We pay for all of their study um, and exam training. We also give them time away from the desk for those personal development um, initiatives and allow them to build their peer network within the firm and help them to develop their personal brands within and outside of the firm and understand the importance and value of creating those networks. We get way more applicants than we take on each year for each of our roles. So I do try and talk to all of our young people when they join us just to explain how well they've done in getting here. It's part of our initiative to improve our inclusion and diversity, to take on people from a wide variety of backgrounds. But equally, we do need people who are going to be able, with our support, to do the work that we need them to do and to get through those professional qualifications. So there's an element of hard graft. How long does it take to actually be qualified? So if you join as a graduate, you can be qualified within either three or four years, depending on which pathway you're taking. And if you join as a school leaver, that can be then five or six years. And we supplement the school leaver programme with lots of rotations within the business to different parts of the business in an effort to try and help those young people who haven't had the experience of going to university actually develop a wider experience than they would have if they came in simply straight away to a relatively narrow role. And why do you think your clients want to work with you? What makes you stand out? That's a really good question. And we do ask our clients why they want to work with us. I think I referred earlier to the fact that we have, I believe we have people of high integrity who really care. That I think makes a difference. So it's about our culture and does that fit with the culture of those clients? So we're not going to be the right fit for everyone. And we know that. But where those two cultures align, it works really well. There's such a a huge focus as well on, I suppose, health and well-being at the minute. and, and, And central to that has become much more that recognition about financial well-being too. Do you find that 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 brings people to you more? Uh, The financial well-being is a really interesting one actually because we identified a gap for our people who are going through those supported training programs as part of the apprenticeship program and we have partnered with another organisation to help our people learn how to manage their finances better. So that financial education has been really important for our people as well as working with our clients and helping them to optimise their financial performance. I'm going to ask each of you now, if you could wave a magic wand and instantly fix one thing in the workplace, what would it be, Pippa? Oh, for me, it would be how can we really all understand in the workplace the potential of all of our colleagues working around us and how can we help them achieve it? Hamza? I'd love to see over the next 12 to 18 months and in the future, the business being held to account with regards to its mechanisms of reporting, being held accountable for, for the community in which it operates. And that's really being trying to move us away from where we are today, which is around ESG and ticking boxes. And Hamza, would you have a question for Pippa? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was really interested on on the youth and and bringing in young people into the workplace. I was just interested to hear Pippa's experiences around that, around apprenticeship. Oh, I think it's an amazing opportunity for young people and it's an amazing opportunity for us as a firm to bring really good people into the business. Our apprenticeship programme has been running for about three years now. Prior to that, we didn't run it in-house. We still had a training programme and we have some really good experiences with 
people coming into the business, progressing their career. And there are lots of partners across the firm who have a variety of backgrounds. So the most senior people in our organisations, several of them have come in without having been to university and obtained a degree. Several of them have come in and joined the firm and grown and developed within the firm, as well as we have brought in people from outside. I'm in the privileged position now of I am seeing the generation of my children coming into the profession. That's so energising to bring the young people in with the new ideas all the time. And because it's a large proportion of our workforce, I think it has a real impact, a really, really positive impact on the business. Because as you talked about, Hamza, society is more concerned about all of these areas, such as what are we doing for our communities, for the environment, and rightly so, by having a high proportion of younger people in the business, that makes sure that all of us as business leaders keep that front and central. And both of you have have talked about the university pathway not being either accessible for you or you didn't want to, to do that. This is really heartening to hear that you're managing to reach people and you're not going directly to the universities. But, you know, what message would you give to other businesses to think outside the box, Pippa? Well, I would really encourage you to embrace things like social media and also to combine that with the old-fashioned methods, if you like, of actually going and talking to the schools in your communities, talking to the head teachers and the other teachers and finding out the best way to connect with the young people that are in there and what the schools would find valuable in terms of the business committing to do in terms of building some links and connections. And for careers at Reckitt, Hamza, how do you recruit? Yeah, there's a huge focus on, on, on youth and bringing in pathways from university. We are increasingly seeing a focus on pathways and there's a grand challenge that we run uh, almost on an annual basis looking to recruit young people from a variety of universities across 15 to 16 countries where we offer opportunities for innovation uh, for young people to come present their ideas to leadership on new products, new solutions, new ways to innovate around the sustainable development goals to improve health via the product solutions that we offer. So that's been a, a really great breeding ground for us to see innovation from young people to offer them opportunities to come and present to leadership. And we often hire some some really great people through that um, across various universities. And I think apprenticeship schemes is something that I'm personally very passionate about and, and looking into for the next year. So um, I think that's, Pippa's giving me some inspiration there to see how we can broaden our networks as well of, of people that we hire. Good, you'll be following up this conversation to find out a little more. Um, I ask everybody this this same question towards the end. As many people who tune into the lens will know, business in the community is encouraging businesses to demonstrate how they're using their businesses to go faster, braver and bolder in their responsible business actions. So how is your business doing that? And personally, as responsible leaders, what are you committed to doing more of or less of in the coming year? Hamza. So I think from a business perspective, I think it starts from it's really looking at its purpose to be bolder and braver, that the purpose is underpinning the heart of the organisation. Um, so clearly articulated and engaging purpose um, to engage employees is, has been critical, um, but also to carry out the work in its community. Then I'd say there's there's five other factors. You know, you look at um, the culture that we're creating and ensuring that we have the permission to experiment and fail, encouraging and rewarding collaboration, creating those places to explore and develop ideas. Um, that links to talent, so how we're recruiting, rewarding, incentivizing, and skills development. 
through to our operations with regards to how do we create those structured innovation processes and and put people in our value chains at the heart of the solution and really look at climate justice and social justice across the, across the value chain and then clearly linking to our leadership and strategy and our governance which i think is really critical for how the business needs to be bolder and braver which we're trying to embrace at Reckitt. so integrating the sustainable development goals into the core strategy ensuring that our leaders are engaged from a personal perspective i think continuing to monitor my own footprint um, is an important one, my carbon footprint. Um, that continues to be a huge one for me and my family. I'm starting a gratitude diary this year. I'm just reminding myself on the importance of of purpose and the importance of community. And I think that's my number one take up this year. And Pippa? I mentioned that we have improved our governance around responsible business. And one of the ways that we've done that is we have made this a board level priority. So as chair of the board, I'm the sponsor for responsible business being on the agenda. This is part of our, a really core part of our strategy for better growth and the actions that we're deriving from our, that strategy. For instance, you can see it in how we're looking at streamlining our processes um, across various areas of the business at the moment. You can see it in how we're working with partners such as business in the community in order to embed and accelerate all of the actions that we want to take over the goals that we're looking to achieve, aligning ourselves to some of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals so that we're really clear about what it is we as a business can influence and what impact we can have on society. But on the personal side, I'm just committed to trying to do a bit less mileage. I'm sure you'll agree, everyone. Two fantastic guests today. Pippa Clark, Chair and Partner at Bishop Fleming Chartered Accountants, and Hamza Sarwar, Global Social Impact and Partnerships Director at Reckitt, both with a strong sense of social value. You've been listening to The Lens with me, Sarah Travers, and if your business would like to find out how it can open its doors and have a more inclusive approach to recruitment, or if you'd like support for some of the tougher workplace issues, please visit www.bitc.org.uk. Thank you for listening and tune in next time.